Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Ve salatu ve selamu ala Resulullah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecma'in. Now we make our way to the first benchmark of a third of the Qur'an. The first of the, the three thirds of the Qur'an. And we ask Allah to help us to continue to benefit from this endless banquet of the Qur'an. Amin Rabbil Alemin. It's amazing that we're a third the way through the Qur'an, a third the way through the month of Ramadan. And subhanAllah, it feels like it's, it's going by quite quickly. Nonetheless, we ask Allah to put barakah in our time and efforts more than we could have ever imagined. The first point that I want to touch upon, uh, inshallah, in connection with this juz, with para number 10, is an ayah in which Allah highlights something very important for all of us in our day-to-day -day lives on a very practical level. And it's interesting to note that although this is in connection with a very, a very high pressure situation, a very tense situation, an extremely difficult situation, even then you find this reminder when Allah says, O you who believe, Ya ladina amanu, fathbutu. Allah is telling the believers that when you face an enemy to stand firm, and then what does Allah mention after that? Because when you're thinking of, of the context of, of battle, of war, then you would expect this type of concept to stand firm. But look at what Allah mentions after that. Immediately following that, <coughs> Allah says, وَذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ And remember Allah abundantly so that you may be successful. So there's the connection of the physical with the spiritual. There's the physical where you have to do your part. You have to do your part. We have to do our part in terms of taking the means, doing whatever is within our capacity from a physical standpoint. But it's connected with dhikrullah. And this is the part that's very interesting. Because a person may think, what, what does the remembrance of Allah, what does dhikr have to do with a time of battle? What does that have to do? I mean, shouldn't you be so focused on the situation at hand and the context of the surah is the battle of Badr? So it's not just a high pressure situation, it's an extremely high pressure situation. Even then, there's this constant importance, there's the need to be constantly connected to our dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jal, to have that embedded within our day-to-day -day lives through both the ups and the downs. This is an extremely difficult, suffocating situation. Even then, Allah says, when, when, when you face an enemy to be firm and remember Allah abundantly, لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ so that you may attain success, so that you may be successful. It's also interesting to note that in Surah An-Nisa, we have reference to Salat Al-Khawf, basically the prayer of fear. Even in a time of battle, there, there's, still, there's still the importance of prayer that has to be prioritized. As difficult as the situation may be, there are certain things that we need to try our best to get to a point where they become non-negotiable within our own lives in terms of prayer, in terms of dhikr, in terms of Qur'an. The next point that I want to mention, Allah says, this is still in Surah Al-Anfal, if you're outnumbered, one to ten. So if you're 20 and you're, you're facing 200, if you're 100 and you're facing 1,000, 
Basically, you can overcome. But then look at the ayah after that. Allah says, but you know, there may be some weakness in you, so if you're only outnumbered one to two, then you'll be okay. So subhanAllah, in both situations, there, there's, this, there's this ratio of being outnumbered. The first one that's mentioned is you're outnumbered one to ten. Not you're outnumbering the others one to ten, but numerically speaking, it's against you. But when, uh, when Allah's on your side, it doesn't matter who's against you. And the Battle of Badr makes that very clear to us. If you're outnumbered one to ten, or if you're outnumbered one to two, you can overcome. But what Allah told us before this, what do we have to do? What, what's needed? And it's not limited to only this specific context, but in our lives in general. So if somebody, if they're facing a very challenging situation, Do what you gotta do. Meaning, if someone is struggling with their school, then, okay, what do I need to do? What does that person need to do to, to remain firm? to hang on tightly, to, to dig in, to dig their heels into the ground in that context and to still connect it with remembering Allah abundantly. If someone's going through challenges at work or if someone is looking for work and that's the challenge that they're facing, do your part. You have to do your part. We always have to do our part and remember Allah abundantly. So there has to be a balance between taking the means and connection with this world, but there's always that spiritual importance and that dynamic, the need for that soul food of remembering Allah Azza wa Jal abundantly. And this ties in with how one side can overcome the other, even if they're outnumbered by double. Even then, look at Badr. The Muslims were outnumbered three to one basically. Yet, they didn't just overcome, they really overcame. And Allah sent angels, and, and, and. So when you do your part, you just do what you can, whatever is within your scope, whatever is within your capacity in your life, sincerely for the sake of Allah. And Allah will open doors for you that you could have never imagined. A good example of this is Prophet Musa What was his intention when, he, when he's traveling <coughs> with his family, and he say it's a cold night, when, when he sees that light, when he sees the fire in the distance, his intention was within his scope, within his responsibilities, his intention was, I need to provide for my family. I just want to provide for my family. We're cold, there's some fire over there. That was, initially, that was his intention. He wanted to go and provide for his family, and then we know what happened after that, an occurrence that would, which would completely affect the rest of human history. And we're continue, we continue to be affected by it until now. He was trying to do what he could within his scope, and then Allah opened something magnificent, amazing for him. But initially, that wasn't necessarily expected. He was just doing what he could within his capacity. And then, as a result, after that, Allah opened incredible doors for him. The next point that I want to mention in connection with Surah Tawbah, as we famously know, this would be a good trivia question, but we're not doing trivia tonight for the kids. This is the only Surah in the Qur'an that does not begin with the Basmalah. That in and of itself is significant because it shows us how packed the Qur'an is with, so, with, with mercy, with rahmah, with kindness, with compassion. All of the Surahs, the norm, is for every surah to begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and Surah Al-Naml also has it in Ayah 30. 
So when you find an anomaly, when you find the exception, especially from the get-go, from the beginning, then right, right, from, right, right off the bat, you know that you're going to come across different things that are going to be exceptional. Different things that are going to be other than what you may have expected. And you find a number of very tough, very, perhaps you could even say harsh ayat, but that's the nature of the surah. That's the nature of the surah. The norm is for every surah to begin with rahmah, with rahmah, with rahmah. But this surah, especially when you look at when it was revealed, after everything the Prophet had gone through, after everything the Muslims had gone through, it made perfect sense for, for it not to begin with rahmah, for it not to begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Because of the nature of the surah, because of the personality of the surah, so to speak, the surah is extremely tough. It's very strong, especially against the hypocrites. Especially against the hypocrites. We ask Allah to protect us from the illness, Amni Rabbil Alameen. So when we come across it, and it does not begin with the basmala, there, there's, this was mentioned a few nights ago, when, when there is something in the Qur'an, it's there with a lot of wisdom. And if there's not something, there's also going to be wisdom in connection with that. When you look at Surah Tawbah, it's pretty much as a whole, it's in connection with the Battle of Tabuk. The Battle of Tabuk. And within this surah, Allah refers to that time frame, that scenario, as an extremely difficult moment in time, an extremely difficult time frame. What's amazing about this, and we're not fundraising tonight, but it's food for thought. What's amazing is the more difficult things got, this was, and Allah testifies that this was an extremely difficult situation. SubhanAllah, how did Sayyidina Abu Bakr respond? How did Sayyidina Umar respond? This was when Sayyidina Umar went and gave half of everything that he had. So when times got more difficult, the sadaqah went up. The charity went up. It didn't go down. This is the famous incident. So it adds a deeper layer of appreciation that it's not just amazing that that happened, period that healthy, beautiful competition between Sayyidina Umar and Sayyidina Abu Bakr. But when it happened, multiplies the effect of that story a thousand times over. This was when, this was when Sayyidina Umar, he went and he gave half of everything that he had. And he thought, okay, now I finally, now, now I have, you know, for once, for once, now I finally have, you know, a, a leg up, so to speak, on Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And then he found out that Sayyidina Abu Bakr already gave everything that he had. This was when he did that. So when the times got tough, when they got more difficult, when they got more constraining, they gave more, and they gave more, and they gave more. SubhanAllah, there's a, there's a lot of, of benefit that we can take from that. And then finally, I'll conclude with a more general term. In this surah, you have a number of different signs of hypocrisy a responsible, a healthy way for a Muslim to go through this surah is not to necessarily think that this ayah reminds me of that person even though it may, or that person even though it may, or these people even though it may. That's not priority number one. Priority number one is let me look internally and ask myself, again, running that internal virus scan for the heart, how, how am I doing? How is my software doing? Are there any bugs that I need to work on? 
Because I'd rather look internally now and run that scan now before I end up in my grave and then it's too late. Before I end up on the, on the day of judgment and then it's too late. We ask Allah to guide us, protect us and forgive us. We ask Allah to help us to benefit from his book. We ask Allah to gather all of us in paradise and to make things easy for all of us. Amin ya rabbil alameen. Subhana rabbika rabbil azzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.